Here at Eau Claire Hometown Media, we're proud to have as one of our longest-serving partners the fine folks with Stokes, Proc, and Munt Funeral Chapel and the Cremation Society of Wisconsin. Randy tells me the goal he has for the Cremation Society of Wisconsin. Well, we want to keep growing, uh, and we are. It's uh, our our model is quite progressive compared to a lot of the others, uh, mainly because our cremation society is statewide, and not just a local thing. You know, we go all over the state, all seventy-two counties. This is Fair Talk presented by the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. Don't forget to follow the Northern Wisconsin State Fair on all of the socials for details on the 2024 fair as well as all of the events going on. At the fairgrounds, I'm Scott, joined by the fair's executive director, Rusty Volk. Rusty, how's it going? We were having a great conversation before this. <laughs> Good morning, we're, Scott, yeah. But we'll have an even better conversation right now. Sure, you betcha. It's going great. Really good, Scott. I'm enjoying our podcast, and I think it's very good for our listeners out there to understand what's happening at the fairgrounds and what's happening at the Northern Wisconsin State Fair. Why are we situated the way we are, and where do we come from? That's why I think today we'll visit a little bit about the history as to what's going on here. And by the way, go back, listen to some of the previous episodes we have had. Uh, learn a little bit about, recently we've talked about uh, music and uh, entertainment acts coming to the fair and uh, probably some of that may even may even dig itself up here as far as the history of exactly. the fair but i think that i think that's a great topic for us to have and we've dipped our toes in the water mm-hmm. on the history of the northern wisconsin state fair before but let's address the most simplest thing out there because people will say oh the fair's been here for a long time and they'll throw out basic numbers and basic days. Do you know when the first fair was here on this ground? The first fair on this ground was likely in around the eighteen mid eighteen hundreds. Not really documented, but it was likely that first time when there was that uh, festival fair activity on these grounds. And the reason I say that is the venue itself was a racetrack for many many years and it was the premier racetrack and it was originally from my history digging up on it i became kind of a little bit of a history nut when i got here because it just excited me the illinois horse racing association was one of the first type owners and sort of built this area up as the northern the venue in this part of the northern Wisconsin. And so when we think of the Illinois Horse Racing Association, what do you think of, Scott? What does that <laughs> kind of get to you? What would that say? Uh, unscrupulous behavior. Unscrupulous behavior. <laughs> I would also say probably some uh, Chicago money or something <laughs> like that. You know, some of those activities that probably happened uh uh, with uh, smuggling and all kinds of good stuff uh, to northern Wisconsin. But uh, that's really when some of the probably first activities of nature of this type of thing got together. The actual um, fair association was established in 1897, and it was chartered by the state of Wisconsin. 
And uh, the state of Wisconsin needed a, a venue in northern Wisconsin to accommodate the counties in northern Wisconsin. So there were 32 counties that represented the northern Wisconsin State Fair, chartered in 1897. So we always say this is the next addition to the northern Wisconsin State Fair. So that's kind of uh, the way it really started. Well, from there, how did it end up developing into what it is and, and ultimately what made it the northern wisconsin state fair as opposed to the chippewa county fair or yep. the western wisconsin fair or something like that what made this the the northern wisconsin state fair so when you th consider there were 32 counties involved in the charter that meant that the president and the treasurer of the ag associations they all had ag associations in the other counties that consisted of then the membership of the northern wisconsin state fair which then became a regional fair not just a county fair so even as of today we host the chippewa county junior fair and then we have what we call more of a regional district type fair activity where it's open excuse me to everyone in the state of Wisconsin. So uh, the Chippewa County Fair, that's been going on for, for many, many years as well. And that's actually what helped us get through the Depression in the 30s. So when you consider the first fairs in 1897 there of the charter, they would get together every year. They would depend, uh, funding would come in from those various counties to keep the fair going, to build it up. And in those early 1900s, this venue was the largest fair in the state of Wisconsin. And it's evident uh, in 1913, I did some studies as to attendance. And in the aquafish down at the library, I found this document that says the Northern Wisconsin State Fair set an attendance record of 20,000 people attending Tuesday of Fair Week. Now, in 1913, that's a lot of people, okay? And it also went on to say that this is not fabricated like the politicians will, uh, shall we say, exaggerate various uh, attendance numbers. So that's how large it was. And some of the historical pictures that we have on the venue really uh, acclimate those particular things at the size and scope of this venue. At that time, you know, sulky racing was huge. It was all about the horses. It was all about your animals. It was a true agricultural fair. But, however, they brought in that carnival atmosphere, you know, and food was all over the place. So, in those days, you know, you had the dancing girls and those type of things that happened during the fair. It truly was a combination of economic development of bringing people to a centralized location so they could share their ideas and just do the agricultural things. So that was the heart of really what the Northern Wisconsin State Fair was all about. And it was basically owned by those 32 counties. Now, all of a sudden, the Depression hit, and there really was no money any place. And so those were some very drastic days in the early 30s, as we know. And in those days, there was not a northern Wisconsin state fair, but there still was the county fair. 
So Chippewa County Fair had developed and elevated with the 4-H and, and those youth to still show them animals, learn about animals, educate themselves about animal husbandry and how to take care of those particular, that aspect of the fair. So that still went on. And in, I believe it was 1931, the fall of 1931, since there was no major fair that brought all these people to northern Wisconsin and gathered them to Wisconsin, there were a number of businessmen uh, led by Archie Putnam, was the name, and uh, Reinhardt. Uh, some of these names were involved in that. They got together, band together to purchase the Northern Wisconsin State Fair grounds. At that time, they renamed it the Northern Wisconsin District Fair because it was more of a culmination of all these counties that they wanted to bring in to reestablish. There again, now all of a sudden, people started coming as a district fair after, after the Depression, and so the economic activities and what it brought back to the community started building again. Because in the early 1900s, this was really the only major drawing card for people to gather and get together for commerce and for education on why is that bull better than my bull? You know, why is that cow giving more milk than my cow? What are you doing? Thus, pedigrees grew up because of the judging, and this is why your cow has better standings. You have a better bloodline in these animals, and that flows through with all species in that regard. So that's that agricultural competitiveness, that's still there today. We look at the footprint of the, of the fairgrounds, and how has the footprint changed since those early days? Uh, a little bit landlocked uh, at this point now with, with, with roads and with uh, housing and with schools and, and mm -hmm. uh, YMCA's that have uh, pushed up to the edges. Yep. But how has the footprint uh, altered or changed or grown or shrunk in the last 100 plus years? That's a great question. If you can find maps of Chippewa Falls that date into the uh, late 1800s, the 1890s, uh, early 1900s, you will see that the fairgrounds was on top of the hill, on top of the riverbed. And that's where it was located. It's situated on top so that it was be outside of the, of the, the actual town. And that's where it started. Uh, so that's where the fairgrounds was, and that's where the activity was on the outside of the main downtown Chippewa Falls area. At that time, this venue was like 120, 140 acres is what was owned by, you know, the Fair Association. Uh, that was the footprint. And at that time, the track was already there by the Horse Racing Association. So it, it was set outside, and as the city grew, as things grew up around it, and as the economic situation of the fair, the actual profitability of the fair, that changed. So when it became an independent or a private fair in fall of 31, I believe that was with Archie Putnam, now it became private. And so 
if they didn't make any money, if they had a rain out year, they had to cough up monies in order to build buildings as well as to cover overhead and expenses. And they did a good job because they still concentrated on that main focus of that fair. It could have been a week fair, 10 day fair, whatever developed at that time. But in order to bring that economy into uh, making sure the fair association made enough money to operate as well as the business owners to really feel that economic impact of bringing all those people in the town. Today, it's we're down to actually 54 acres. And a lot of that had to do with how the profitability of the fair came along and to the needs of the association. In my history reading of this, there was a fire in like 1932 or 33 that pretty well uh, took care of two of the major buildings on the fairgrounds, the mercantile building and the uh, athletic building or the uh, agricultural building. Uh, they were massive buildings and they burnt down. And so it was that was a huge demise. And there's articles in the paper that the fair is uh, looking at bankruptcy, you know, due to financial, uh, not enough revenues to keep it going. And they got through those things. They would be able to borrow money and to rebuild it. It's gone through a lot of ups and downs financially. This venue has. There were some uh, very profitable years. If you look back, prior to the uh, local, shall we say, festivals in our area. If you wanted to see national entertainment, the only national entertainment you would see was at the fairgrounds because the venue was large enough yet to handle larger crowds. So, you know, Willie Nelson and all them guys, they were here and they would have two shows a night, you know, and it was a paid grandstand all the time. And so then when the festivals came in and started, shall we say, capitalizing on what really music, beverages, food, that's what people go for. And that's what generates revenues. Agricultural is always that, that fair thing that they struggle with because it takes buildings and it takes all this infrastructure in order to get it going. So what's happened then is the finances of that private enterprise, if they'd have a bad year or whatever, they would end up selling off some of the property. Thus, the YMCA purchased property from the Northern Wisconsin State Fair Association at that time in order to build on that area. That was all fairgrounds property, as well as the Parkview School here as well. There were some years where they had very tough years and they couldn't do anything, and they had to borrow money, and the financial situation was difficult. So it's been a challenge. We are, you know, currently, uh, we are landlocked. And from my perspective, I would love to have that school property back. I'll be frank with you. I would love to have that property back because we could help build that for the rest of the, uh, shall we say, vision of where we're building now and where we're creating for bigger events and multiple events on the fairgrounds. Years ago, they didn't have that. They just had probably, you know, the fair. They would have that. Talking to some of the elders in the community when we did our uh, infrastructure for the electrical grid, for instance, uh, uh, they would tell me that they would spend a month prior to the fair coming up here and hanging transformers.
They'd hang all this electrical transformers, bring power up here to run the fair, and then after the fair, they'd take them all down. So it was that big of an economic impact that it could support those activities. It could support those uh, infrastructure demands of what a fair would take. I, got, I, have a, I have a question. I think a lot of people have, <coughs> especially it's a reminder that the fair is here when you're, when you're driving in town. You drive on uh, the road over here, uh, Jefferson, and you see the, the, the original entry gate, if you will. The walk-up gate, you bet. For, for that, and, and, and how cool is that? Obviously, most people now will be entering the fair from right. the, the newer gate, if you will, yeah. and you guys have renovated that over the years and added to that, but how cool is it to have that structure down there? They, I know it's an old, tired line, but they don't make them like that anymore. No, and there's a real good reason why that's there, because that was the end of the rail line in Irvine Park. So the railroad would come up, the passenger rails, and that's what they would end up. And people would get off the railroad so that they could go to the fair. Back in them 30s again, in those early days, that's why the railroad ended there. Is because actually, I've, I've heard that Eau Claire would shut down businesses so that they would have a day at the fair and all the people could go in and see what's going on. Those early days, the carnival came by rail. They didn't come by truck. They came by rail. And the first um, animals they took off were the elephants. And the elephants would pull the wagons up the hill, up the hill. Like I said before, it was on top of the hill. They would pull them wagons up the hill in order to set it up for that particular event. I recall Rod Cook, who was one of the board members here. He says, my mom would give me a quarter or two, and I'd sit on that hill, and he'd, she'd, we'd watch them get off to watch the elephants. And it was just amazing to watch the production of dragging and pulling all this equipment up for the fair. And the quarter was that they could at least get something to drink and something to eat. He usually kept his quarter because his mom worked at one of the nonprofit food stands, and he'd go to the back door and always get a hot dog. So <laughs> those were the things so he could use it on a game. Those were the stories that we have, and we are actually putting out a history of the Northern Wisconsin State Fair in that we've interviewed many people that we're collecting and putting together so that we can provide sort of a narrative as were as well as a video a video and audio of the history of the fair grounds because it is really fabulous when you think you know green bay packers played out here mm -hmm. that's where all the football games were in front of the grandstand the venue was used for everything. Now we've got sports in how many places? The Valley Sports Academy, Chai High, you know, they all got their, uh, you know, Casper Park. You know, we've got diamonds all over the place. Those were, in the day, they were not around. So they used the fairgrounds for those, uh, all those activities. And we invite people to uh, utilize the fairgrounds as they can, especially for the kids. It's all about the youth. That's part of our mission couple more questions for you here. I always find this fascinating, and especially when I do history on places that I've worked or, or anything. Uh, and this is even, we were talking before, we got recording, uh, taking advantage of online and being able to see stuff. Yep. What I'm always fascinated by is sometimes big ideas 
that never came to fruition. Now, maybe something else came in its place or whatever, but big ideas that maybe didn't come to fruition or a a plan they had in the 1960s that would have been cool, but they couldn't quite get it off the ground or something like that. Anything like that in the the fair's background where they they had had hoped to do something in the 60s or the 70s or, or the 90s, and it just never got going, and now you're you're here. Maybe you're you're putting it together in a different way. Well, I think what's happened in the in the past, you know, it's uh, it, it it grew the fair grew to a large venue in the early 1900s, you know, and then the economic conditions of the area. Uh, if you consider we had a COVID year, if that would have lasted two three years, what would have the impact been to this venue, mm-hmm. or to the whole community? That would have been devastating so when you how those things change were there large plans i think in my opinion that what's developed is you've got all your county fairs around us that always uh have been there and most of those county fairs have been there for a hundred plus longer than what the 126th edition of the fair is this year because they've always had that community in their own little uh, you know, Rhinelander and all these little areas. Uh, and the district fair, what became the district fair in uh, 18, that area in 1897 when it was chartered, that's what brought the, the next level of competition together. So that was type of the vision of how do we get to that element. I'm not sure exactly what happened in the 60s, uh, you know, from the 30s, 50s, and 60s. Some of the videos that we have, the fair was very, very active and very uh, profitable in those areas. And that's where you started seeing the buildings, some of the cement buildings, the block buildings that have been up, put up to be more substantial and last longer than some of the uh, original wooden construction. But I shouldn't say that. You know, our cattle barns were up for 130 years. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that was well constructed. And what then the utilization of that? It's all about how do you utilize the facilities and how do you keep it going. Where we're going next, I think, is very exciting, actually. With the inclusion of uh, our safe room, with the showers and restrooms that we currently have constructed with the new barn project that we have, that safe room is really going to eventually become that hub for emergency management in our region. It's a tornado shelter, and so we work very closely with Chippewa Falls, City of Chippewa uh, County, and the city, as well as emergency management, uh, shall we say, where's that home base that they have to go if they have something goes on. And so those plans, I'm very, I'm glad to say that those plans are really constantly evolving and updated on an annual basis. So I think some of those things become the hub of emergency management in our community somewhat. I know even ham operators are looking at putting a tower up here because of the sustainability of the buildings we put up. Getting to HSHS, Mm -hmm. okay, with the situation we have there, there's towers on top of that hospital at St. Joseph that are they going to be operational if that building shuts down? So those services that them towers can handle now, are they going to be available for police and everything else? So kind of looking at developing that heart mm-hmm. 
to where those can continue. And then uh, I think finally here, and it's uh, it, it's going to have a negative start to it, but it's got a positive finish to it. I, obviously, the, the fair's been doing very, very well. There's a lot of growth here. There's a lot of yep. great entertainment that comes uh, that comes in. The attendances have been great, and uh, even uh, you know, the attendances here kind of rebounded very nicely right after yep. COVID. Other places took a little extra time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you go back to the 70s and the 80s, and a lot of in-person entertainment in this country struggled on a smaller scale. Minor league sports struggled. Theaters were shutting down left and right uh, in in areas. You know, the, these these lovely vaudevillian theaters were shutting down. People weren't going out and about as much. And I know fairs struggled in the 70s and yep. the 80s. Uh, the economy uh, wasn't uh, wasn't what it was, especially in the 70s. When you look back then and you see the struggles and you see how probably it was very real that the fair could have just said, ah, let's cut our loss. We've been around for almost 100 years already. Yep. It's amazing that they they stuck through it in what probably was leaner times. Right. And that's set the foundation for now. Exactly. And we almost had that in 2007. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we got to remember it was only recently, too, that there was another. Uh, exactly. You know, sort of valley a valley where it was not profitable okay the owners had a challenge to shall we say keep the doors keep the buildings up uh, maintenance operations uh, some of those things to keep it going and it was for sale in 2007 however prior to actually selling it to developers who were considering bulldozing the buildings down and creating something entirely different than what we have today uh, I think that was a wake-up call for the agricultural community, the agribusinesses, agri as well as the community in general, as to we don't want to lose that economic impact that the fairgrounds provides to our community. And that was a catalyst to be able to uh, look at it. We talked about sales and how that fits into the picture of how you look at development, how you look at building things up the way it is. And uh, I was I was just fortunate enough to be able to be part of that redevelopment uh, to bring about what we have today. Um, I think we're in great, we're in great financial shape. We're in good uh, shape. We are trying to utilize the grounds much more than we ever have, and you're gonna find that going on. We are fortunate that we've got an awesome staff that can uh, work out together and to accommodate those things. Uh, Chippewa Falls community has been extremely, extremely uh, supportive of our efforts here, and they can continue to do so by just attending events and coming up and enjoying and helping us build that quality of life that they are now expecting. Everybody wants to go to the fair. That's wonderful. Let's have them get to the other events that we have here as well. Uh, so we are uh, in great shape right now, and it's my goal to continue to make it sustainable, to make sure it stays. It's a challenge, mm -hmm. and you know me, I love a challenge. Well, another uh, entertaining conversation. Yes.